This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. With the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, Be Life Coach up. and author, D. Marshall. An abundant Be life. Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I am D.C. Marshall, co-host here with Alfred Edmund Jr. And on today's show, we are talking about removing the mask. Where is the reward in pretending? There's a lot of ongoing conversation, I think largely because, Alfred, we live in a highly social digital world. And so, you know, there's all this talk about pretending and filters and fake personas in the social space versus who we really are. And, you know, I think in in one uh, context that says a lot about, uh, you know, removing the mask. But then there's also this thing in the corporate spaces around imposter syndrome. We could go over there when it comes to removing the mask. Uh, look, we could go to dating and, you know, when you're meeting representatives and, and then when you remove the mask, there's so many places we could go with removing the mask. But Alfred, what do you think about today's show? Well, I think the thing that we can really bring out here is about who we are authentically created to be in God and to what degree are we presenting our authentic selves to the world, whether that's on social media, whether that's in dating, whether that's in our work and our careers and our callings. And the degree to which you do or you don't, um, I think it really impacts your own mental, spiritual, and emotional health in addition to how you interact with other people. And I just think that's an important discussion to have. Are we being who we are created to be in God, or are we being distracted by all the other things that we are called to be by the world? So I think this is going to be a great conversation, one that I'm looking forward to. Me and my partner, and in, in, not in crime. Partner <laughs> in shine, partner in shine. Partner in shine, D.C. Marshall. Uh, of course, she brings the shine and I come along and make us a partnership. But uh, we're going to have a great conversation today. We're asking the question, where is the reward in pretending? And we're going to talk about removing the mask, what it means to be even wearing a mask, why we wear masks in this world, in this society, in this time, um, and what is the true value, and, and I'll use my own words, of godly authenticity, presenting ourselves as God created us to be. And, you know, that's, I don't want to make it sound like this as easy as, as it is said, uh, because the world doesn't often reward you and sometimes punishes you for being who you are, especially when you're being who you are in Christ. Um, you know, Christian persecution is a real thing um, around the world and sometimes just in day-to-day society. So there are, you know, temptations to not necessarily present yourself authentically at all times, but there are also very great, I think, rewards and benefits for being as authentically as you can be who God created you to be and called you to be in this life. What say you, Dave? Well, you know what? This is, um, it's a topic, I would say, near and dear to my heart in terms of, um, I really have done 
uh, or enjoyed, I should say, part of my work in removing or not even removing the mask, but really being who it is that God called me to be, but also helping other women do the same. And so I'm a big proponent of being your authentic self, uh, finding your authentic self or discovering it because it's already embedded. You know, the word of the Lord says that God will give us the desires of our hearts, meaning not that God will give us grant, meaning God as Santa Claus, meaning he gives us things, but it means that God implants in us. God gives us the desire, meaning he plants within us the desires of our heart. Um, And so many have learned women have the desire just to know who they, who we really are so that we can get to living the life that we were created to live and be who it is that we've called to be. So I, I absolutely love this, this topic from that standpoint. Um, and I'm excited about, we have an authority with us today. So I'm, I'm super excited to hear from psychologist, educator, author. I love the authorities in this space who can really talk about this from another perspective. So excited about that. Well, speaking of which, let's bring our guest on. We are going to be um, really enlightened, I believe, just based on what I know about her, by our guest, Dr. Michelle Boone Thornton, a psychologist, educator, author, tenure professor, and um, she's just like a perfect person to have on the show to talk about what this all means. So please welcome Dr. Michelle Boone Thornton. Hello, everyone. How are you today? Oh, we are so happy to see you and hear from you today. Yeah. I'm just ecstatic about being here, and I love your enthusiasm about the topic. I really, really do. Some people are not as enthusiastic because they really don't think that they're masking. But, you know, people have been doing it so long that they don't even realize it. And so it's something that we need to discuss and, you know, really move towards unveiling so that we can be all that God intended us to be. I love it. You know, Dr. Boone Thornton, how do you like to be addressed? Is it Dr. Boone, Dr. Boone Thornton? How do do you like to be addressed? Well, most of my students, because I'm a college professor, they say Dr. BT. So that's Dr. BT. Okay. That works for us. So Dr. BT, you said masking. Can you jump right in? Can you give us, how do you define masking? Well, masking is a mask and it's usually invisible, but we do it so automatically that we wear so that we can hide any flaws, any weaknesses, any vulnerabilities, because you don't want people to see that. And in a world that we live in where so much competition and, and just rivalry and whatever you say can be scrutinized, you don't want to put yourself out there. So when you leave your house, and sometimes for some of us before we leave our house, we put our mask on and we wear it continuously. Now, I'm not saying that you don't wear masks, okay? Because again, um, you have to wear them sometime to survive, just to get by. You know, if I didn't wear a mask at work sometime, it would be a problem. <laughs> I might not have a job, okay? So you do wear masks to survive, but you have to take them off to thrive because that's not who God created you to be, masked. One of the things that 
main revelations that I got, particularly during the economic isolation and the social isolation of the pandemic, was a deep exploration of the difference between who I was raised to be. And, and everybody who raised you to be wasn't necessarily raising you to be a bad thing or a bad person. You're getting messages constantly from your family, from your community, from media, around who you are supposed to be, um, in my case, as a black man, as a man, as this kind of person, that kind of person. And then peeling back all those layers to who God created me to be, but you could only really find that out if you're in constant communion and communication with God, listening and talking, not just asking, but listening. And I spent a lot of time, thanks to the isolation of the pandemic, um, having those conversations like, okay, at this stage in my life, who am I to be? And one of the things that I discovered in that journey was that part of the pitfalls of trying to be who the world created you to be or raises you to be or calls you to be is that you always feel like you're inadequate. There's a sense of lack and inadequacy trying to meet the expectations of the world, the temptations of the world. And you see that in everything from social media, bullying to catfishing, because the people, that, like you said, they try to present this perfect image that's not them. And if they fall short, they feel judged by others. They feel inadequate. Versus when you're operating in the authenticity of who you are in God, you feel more than enough. Because God's like, I got to give you grace. Don't worry. My grace is sufficient for you to be everything I created you to be at all times. Talk to me about that dichotomy of, on the one hand, like you said, to get through this world, you can't give the world the whole thing. You got to have a certain amount of shield right. and there's our purpose of filters and masks in this world, whether in real life or in social media. But at the same time, we can get lost. We can forget who we are. We can think we're the mask filtered individual because we have lost touch with who God created us to be. Well, you know what? That is excellent. And everything you said is true. It is so true because we try, and it's so, so much self-imposed stress that we bring on ourselves as we try to fit into the boxes that people say we're supposed to fit in. And we try so hard that that box becomes a cage. It's captivity. And what we fail to realize or remember is that God created us to be unique, marvelous, wonderful. He, he didn't create us to fit in. He created us to stand out. So when we struggle on a daily basis to fit into these boxes that people have put us in, it causes a lot of emotional trauma. Um, and we can date that back all the way to slavery if we want to, where you see the masking of emotions, where you know people are brutalized, traumatized, and you know they're not supposed to show any emotion unless it leads to more trauma. And so you become accustomed to the pain and to hiding the pain. And hiding the pain keeps you safe. It's, it kept them safe then. And some of that has trickled down to us now. But I like the part that you say about that dichotomous reality because we live in that, you know, trying to fit in, not trying to fit in, trying to stand up, trying to walk through the door that's open, not sure what's open. You know, we know right and wrong. And every day we go through um, trying to make that decision because, you know, 
We live in a world where the flesh is weak, but we know right from wrong. And so it's always going to be a dichotomous balance situation. You got us chomping at the bit. <laughs> you know, we're excited to have you talk about something that has such significant um, value and even repercussions when, you know, we don't know who we are, we're masking, but such significant value when we do know who we are. Um, and so I wanted to go to this question in terms of something that is always top of mind for me in terms of how we get here. And it's because we haven't been taught. We're not taught. When we go to school, like when we are uh, you know, our first introduction into school is really about basic reading, writing, math versus I've always had this, um, you know, sort of burning in my belly about how off that is that we aren't taught about the more high value in terms of identity, who we are, why we are here, where we're going. We're not taught about um, you know, how to be a parent, how to be a person, how to be a parent, how to be a partner, how to be a spouse, how to manage money, how to manage death, how to manage grieving, how to manage lo- loss. And so I want to come to you, Dr. BT, with the question of how does it happen beyond social media, before social media, right? Because we haven't always had social media to, to help us mask. We haven't always had, you know, big jobs where we show up with imposter syndrome, which is a form of masking. Um, how do we get here? So can you talk a little bit about, about that, how this happens? And, and Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And we get here because we are parented to this point. We behave the way we see our parents behave. They model those initial uh, behaviors for us. And I always give the um, example. Um, I remember being a little girl and my, I was in a choir. And my mom would take me to choir practice. Well, we had like a little choir practice before church would start. And so I was that middle child who always had a little trouble, brought a little trouble to the atmosphere. And so on the way to choir rehearsal, she would take that time because it was just me and her to talk about my behavior. Along with that, sometime I would get some punishments and things like that, and I would be upset and everything. But as soon as we hit that parking lot and got out that car, it was, how you doing? Praise the Lord. Like, you know what I mean? It was, and I would, that taught me I'm supposed to behave a certain way. That's good. Environments, you know, and we all learn that. You know, as children, you know, we got to look like, and I say, better not. You know, we all, we all got that. And no one ever really gave me the opportunity to talk about my feelings. If I was upset, oh, you want to be upset? Oh, you want to cry? Oh, you, that's not how you learn. That's good. Doc, that is so good. You know what? I don't think I've ever heard that from that standpoint, we know that happens, meaning us in the car with the parents and then get to church. I don't think I've ever heard Alfred, you like just reminding us of, oh, yes, that's how we learned that. It was never that you could carry that emotion or that posture or that position into the public space. In fact, we even had the conversation, Dr. BT, going into the store. If we were crying, you couldn't cry. You couldn't carry that emotion. Oh my goodness. And so we went in with a mask. Yes. 
with the mask. In fact, you were told in the car, don't go in and embarrass me. Right. Don't, don't you pick up nothing. I'm not getting you nothing. I mean, it was just, yeah, you were told. Don't anything. Don't say you wanted anything. And the whole, um, keep crying. I'm going to give you something to cry about. Yes. That whole nine. And if you're a young boy, especially a black boy, you were supposed to walk it off, play with the pain. Don't be like, you know, um, and, and I'll, I'll say this because of my experience. And I was raised by a divorced single mother in a working poor household in a working class neighborhood. I understood that part of it was like, I don't have the bandwidth to manage your your issues. And my stuff, too. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you, I need you to stay in line because I'm handling all I can handle. I can't handle all of that. So you need to be. That's and in some true. ways, it, it created a certain degree of discipline. And, I'm, you know, my mother's me and my siblings were well known as those are Virginia's kids. You ain't got to worry about them. They yeah. are well behaved, in control kids. We ain't never embarrassed our mother. But the flip side, and it changed the way I parented when I became a parent, especially as a, of a boy, was I knew that it wasn't good that I wasn't encouraged to be emotionally expressive. Mm-hmm. And so I made up my mind when my son came along, he's a boy with sisters, he's the only boy, that he had to find appropriate ways to do it. But I, if I let, made him bottle it up, that lack of ability to express who he authentically is and how he authentically feels was not going to be good for him in the long run, no matter how, you know, what I was trying to do to be a quote-unquote good parent, because my mother was obviously doing what she thought was best for all of us. Absolutely. And parenting is parenting. And they parented us out of survival. Yes. Okay. They knew we had to survive in a world that we were a little different um, and didn't want us to stand out because they didn't want us to draw that attention to us. And so we were parented to survive, not to thrive. And so now I'm trying to get people to take that mask off so that they can now thrive. And it's nothing that parents have done. And I'm glad you put that out there because my specialty is children and families. And this is really how I kind of came across this because I noticed, you know, most of the children I work with have emotional behavioral disorders. And it's like, hey, how did they get here? Well, if you're masking your emotions and they're masking their emotions and everybody's masking and it's one of those environments. But then I found with newer parents, younger parents, parents of today, they don't want their children to really experience any hurt, harm or emotions. So they protect them. There's like helicopter parents that fly down and no, 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 no. He's on the team. He gets the trophy. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? They don't want them to feel disappointment or being upset or left out or anything. And so they will change the environment so that their child is, quote unquote, safe and not have to deal with any negative uh, emotions or confrontation. And so what happens when they grow up? They can't deal with any negative emotions or confrontations. No resilience. resilience. Nothing. And so you wonder why this 30-year-old child, 40-year-old child is still in my house outside of economic stuff because you haven't allowed them to live and experience life because life has grief. Yeah, yeah. You know, everything else in it. They have to experience it. Doc, you've talked about this uh, masking from 
the perspective of, you know, kind of how we, what it is, right? And then how we got here. And then this was learned behavior as much as we're seeing something else right now in terms of social digital, but it was learned behavior. And I love that you gave our parents grace in that actually it was part survival. It was part, they did the best they could with what they had from where they were. Uh, Yes, we all know that, but also it was partly survival. Alfred, you talking about they didn't have the time. Um, but, But I'm curious about this from the perspective of you work with children and family. So where do we go from here? Like, how do we get out of this? Because it's something different now. Like it's different from parents giving us survival skills and them not having time. We're looking at, we're seeing other things play out that's impacting um, people in terms of suicidal ideation on social, right? In from the standpoint of IG removing the like count to, well, now they've restored it. So, you know, we've got about uh, less than a minute in this segment. So whatever you can share before we go, and then we're going to come back on the other side of the break and talk about this a little bit more. Well, I'm glad you brought up suicide because it is real. Um, and it is part of masking and it is a part of the environment that we live in. So we will delve into that when we get back. All right. We'll be right back. It's Be Lifted Up. We're back. Before we went to the break, uh, Dr. Boone, you were going to lean into the suicidal ideation and then your expertise as um, from a psychologist perspective. So please finish your thought. Suicide is like increasing. It's, it's becoming more of a... a something that we're aware of. It used to be somebody we knew who knew who knew, but now it's getting closer and closer. Part of that is technology. And people go like, wait, what? Human connection is important. I mean, when you go back and look at the Bible, we're here to help others, our brothers, our sisters. Our... And so for two years, we were isolated. And so now we're not isolated. But while we were isolated, we leaned heavily on technology. And so it became to the point, and it still is for some people, that the first thing we pick up in the morning is our phones. The first person we speak to is Alexa and Siri. The first thing we put down at night is our phones and our tablets. And so the human connection is being lost. We need to support each other as humans. And so the children who are growing up on technology don't have that support. Yes, they may have a mom and a dad in the house and they may have friends, but your friends on technology are not like the friends you and I had. And we rode the bike with until the lights came on at night and we played cards. Those are different type of friends. The human connection is gone. We have children who have been sheltered from feeling certain emotions. And so when they start to deal with them, they're overwhelmed. They don't know where to turn to. And when you're in a world where everybody has masks on and the images on social media are not real, but as a child, you do not know that they're not real. You think there's something wrong with you. And so then you start questioning your life and life without you. You know, I'm reminded of some really powerful advice I got at the very beginning of the emergence of social media into the mainstream. So we're going back into the mid to late 90s in my case. Um, a, a guy known named Brent Leary, who's a CRM 
expert um, told me that the, the only healthy use of technology is to enhance real world interaction. That if you're using it to build relationships online that will help you to interact more healthy in a more healthy manner when you meet people, then that's a good effective use of technology. He was speaking in terms of business, but I'll even brought it to the, to the, the broader sense. Um, I joined a church cyber, through cyber ministry during the pandemic. And it was, it was really good for me because I was isolated. So it was great. But it still didn't compare to the first time I physically came to that church as a member. And so the cyber ministry was helpful to me being acclimated to that church, to being acclimated to the ministry, to choosing that ministry. But it still wasn't the same level of human interaction um, and relationship that God wants us to have with him and also a God-like relationship with one another. Um, as physically going to church. And I only bring all that to say and reinforce what you just said about if we use technology to mask who we are and to isolate ourselves from one another, we actually create cages and then we die in the cage, whether we do it through an actual act of suicide or we do it emotionally and psychologically through the way that we live. Um, and I do want you to, to, to talk about the transformational effect of removing the mask. Um, your book, Transform Your Reality, Remove the Mask, really speaks to that. It's not just about removing the mask for the sake of removing the mask. There are benefits. There are solutions. There's, it's a healthy outcome when you do remove the mask. So just talk a little bit about that, the whole idea that it's not going to go away because it just isn't, but we have to have better skills in terms of understanding how to use it in a way that's healthy for us, healthy for our families, healthy for our children. Absolutely. And I love how you put that um, because we will always need technology moving forward. Um, But we will also always need each other. And what happens in a digital world, in a social climate where people are using technology 80% of the day, there are children who are using it like this is lifestyle for them. And so they don't have the social skills that they need. They don't have the interpersonal skills that they need because they're not engaging any real person. And so transforming your reality, the book and removing the mask is just about that. For the younger generation, their reality has to be transformed. And for the older generation who mask and have been taught the mask and were raised masking, your reality has to be transformed so that you can be the authentic person that you were created to be. And once you get there, then you can really, really thrive. Because if you got to mask 24 seven, you know, to get through your day at work, to get through your day at home, to, 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 to fit in, when you get to whatever it is you're striving for, your goal, you're not achieving that goal as your authentic self. You're all masked up. And so it doesn't mean anything to you. It's meaningless. Right. It really is. People will say, well, you know, I don't understand. I worked and I worked and I worked and finally I achieved it and I don't feel nothing. It's like, I can't really enjoy it. I'm still not happy. And so a lot of times in sessions, I'll hear people talking about, I am not happy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why do you think you're not happy? You're doing everything you said you wanted to do, 
but you're basing it off of an image on social media and you don't know whether that person is happy or not. You just see that they're happy and that they're going here and they're going there and they're going there and you've got to live life. I'm reminded of something that uh, I know where I saw it. Um, Bishop T.D. Jakes posted it on Instagram maybe a year and a half ago during the pandemic. Uh, and, and he posted a statement that said, God won't bless who you're pretending to be. So you could be very successful at the pretend person you are, but be unhappy because the blessings that are for you are for you, not for the person you're pretending to be. And that's what came to mind when you talked about people who have achieved all kinds of outward success. Um, you know, they posted it on the gram, they're doing it for the gram, but they're, they're not happy at all. In fact, they're very unhappy. And that's sometimes when you get you know, surprised by the news of a person that you perceive as very successful and famous committing suicide, that's part of that dynamic. Yeah, they, by the world standard, they're wonderful, but they're not really achieving the standard of authenticity who God created them to be, which is a recipe for being unhappy. Absolutely. So with the workbook, I started with the workbook first. That was intentional. Was that for your clients? Because you wanted, people, wanted them to work and not read? No, it's because... We don't always read. Oh, yes. Okay. And I learned as an instructor that if you do the work first or if you do the activity, then you can come back and integrate the information that you were supposed to read. In fact, it entices you to go back and read. So you do the workbook first so that you see what you're struggling with. All right. I get that. I didn't think about that, but that's true. (laughs) So you're like transforming your reality, remove the mask is action. It's not just reading and education. And so much of it, we do a lot of reading education. I'm speaking to someone who reads lots of books, but the application of what you've read and learned is what makes the difference, not the fact that you read. Right. And And that's the key. Some of us skip the application. We read and we read and we read, but we never apply the information that we have read. And so that's why I also have a lot of resources in the back of the book. So that if you get to a point where you're feeling overwhelmed or whatever, you can connect. Well, yeah. speaking of resources, I know you, you also got a couple of uh, events that, that you're doing that really, again, help gives people to take action on this in a way that's meaningful for their lives. And I also want to talk about th- with this topic specifically for those of us who, who identify as Christians. The idea of being sanctified and set apart, and I'm going to speak as a kid, grandkid of a pastor and that's not always a good thing for you because you're not like the others. You're not doing what everybody else says you should do. And of course it can make you feel like it. Well, you are an outsider. I mean, to walk this walk, you make sure an outsider. And that's often hard for us, both as kids as an adult. Class is in session. We are with Dr. Michelle Boone Thornton, and she is the author of a workbook. And we emphasis on workbook, although that is not the extent of who she is. Um, she is a psychologist. She is, uh, you know, an authority in terms of us masking and then how we get out of it. So, Dr. BT. Can we pretend this is classroom and can you take us to the tool and the resource? And I'm, that's why I'm so glad we have you on the show. What would be the first work in the book? What page, even though our listeners don't have the book just yet, what would be the first thing that we need to do if we want to come out of 
the box or actually the cage, you're, I'm using your word, the cage of masking, pretending to be someone else, not tapping into all that God has for us because God has for us um, who he created us to be, not who we are pretending to be. So what's the first exercise in the book that we need to do to begin the journey? Well, the first exercise in the book asks you, and it gives you a list of things to list the top 10 things in your life that you see as normal. Because now we're living a dichotomous reality. So what you have perceived to be normal may be something that you're doing to fit in. And so we look at these things and then we talk about them. And um, when you remove the mask, you remove some of the responsibility that's really not yours that you have assumed. And so we break these things down so you can look at them one by one. And we talk about what's important to you. And when you really start thinking about what is important to you, some of the things that are important to you are not really important to you. They're important to other people who you're trying to please. And so we break down different components, um, accountability, responsibility, you look at all of that. And, you know, once you go through this, there's a lot of content in the workbook. So just don't think you're just writing and it's a lot of content that you put with it. You can then begin to break down your life, your vulnerabilities, your weaknesses, Mm. things of that nature. I feel like, so while that work is really good, I think what helps us to get to the book, um, again, the tool and get us excited about the work because it tends to be something that we're not excited about addressing and that is masking. But I think the excitement about the work, doing the work is relief, I think, and release, I feel like. Um, I think as believers, it's lining up, being obedient to the word of the Lord. God created us in his image. He created us. uh, You know, um, my purpose statement is Ephesians 2.10. We are, I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus um, to do good work that God prepared in advance for me to do. But in order to do that, I'd have to remove the mask. In order to get to the good work. And so I just felt like, you know, in some ways it's great to highlight what the win is for us. Otherwise, right. I'm sure you find, do you find people in your practice will just not really want to do the work, the real work? Well, a lot of people don't want to do the work anyway, Anyway, (laughs) because work is hard. Work is difficult. Um, And so once they realize that taking this mask off is just going to release you, like you said, from so many burdens, self-imposed burdens, that it's going to be freeing. And you're going to be able to experience things at a whole new level. Like you can't find joy if you're masking. Mm. And so these are some of the takeaways from completing the workbook. And with my clients, you know, we work section by section. And so there are different incentives. And the reason that is personalized, you're doing the work. Mm. I'm not telling you uh, this is where you should feel at this point. This is what you, you're doing the work yourself. And it's not where there's other people looking to see what you're doing, mm-hmm. judging you. Oh, you don't need to do that. Why are you doing mm-hmm. that? You're doing it. It's one-on-one. 
the workbook also has a companion journal mm. where if there's some things that you start to pull out that you really just need to write in a journal, you don't want a workbook that you need to write in a journal, kind of keep it close to your bed or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're dealing with some real emotional stuff, that companion journal is there for that. I have had people that were saying like, you know, I just did it because it was like a workbook. I did a couple of pages and I couldn't put it down. Mm. It yeah, changed I think, my life. I think one of the things that, and I can speak for myself personally, like you said, in the beginning, we see the work and we're like, I don't really want to do the work. I don't really want to do the work. Yep. But eventually and prayerfully it's before we get to the point of the kind of desperation that leads to see it suicidal ideation. We start realizing how much work we're already doing. Like this masking thing is exhausting. It really, really is. And as you become conscious and aware of the work you're already doing to meet all these expectations, to try to be all things to all people, to because the other thing is the world will ask you to do two and be two different contradictory things, neither of which are you. And by the time you're trying to put on the right mask at the right time in the right place with the right people, you realize how much your work you're actually doing. And then for me, that really brought to reality this idea that God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. <laughs> Meeting the expectations of God to just be who he designed you to be, is it's, it's a lot less work than meeting all these other expectations accepted and imposed on you. And that, that's why I think this whole idea of transforming your reality, in, in this case, with God as the context of that reality, because he is the creator and definer of all reality, mm-hmm. helps you to, to really understand that the work you think you're avoiding, it pales by comparison to the work that you're already doing to maintain this inauthentic presentation of who you really are. Absolutely, because the way you are when you're masking, you're really working under man. You're working to satisfy man and to please man and to fit in. But when you work under God, all of that other stuff goes away. You don't need the images. You don't need the mask. You don't need that because you're not trying to fulfill something or or please a man who can never really be pleased. Really, there's always going to be something else. Something's not going to be right. Something's going to be wrong. So when you switch your reality to working under God, things change dramatically. Yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, Dr. BT, I think uh, what I am also getting from your book, uh, Transforming Your Reality, Removing the Mask, is also some of you in the book, right? God used you as a vessel and an instrument in writing this book. But I also think there's so much of you because you have an amazing story. And I'm even remembering in, I think this year you wrote an article about, I think it was for Live Your Best Life. And when I think about things like that, right, published in the Nairobi um, I forget what publication, but I remember reading your bio and just seeing all of the accolades in Kenya and Madrid, Spain, and all of this um, that you have spoken to about living your best life. And so then I come back to but what inspires or motivates us to do the work. I think it's that it's right. It's living your best life. Right. Because you talked about the book um, helps you to be free helps you to release. Um, You know, it helps you to focus on what's important. Um, I know the journal is a companion. It helps us to become accountable and we need these kinds of tools. But I also just want to amplify the fact that God used you in this because 
you really are a model for how to live your best life. It's not just what you um, or how you are advising your clients, right? But it's also how you live your life. Yes or yes? Yes and yes. Absolutely. Yes, he did. And so feel free to say anything that you want to add about that before we wrap, um, because I just think that that further encourages us to uh, run, don't walk, to get the book, Transforming Your Reality. And so whatever else you want to add before we leave this last segment, please share. Yes, God used me. And it was through my change of reality with him that I understood and was able to put together all the pieces that he used to prepare me to get here. Wow. That's the word. That's the word. word. That's the word. We needed more time. And so before we go, just to share all of the ways that we can find you, all of the ways that we can uh, connect with you, whether it's through the book, whether it's, um, uh, you know, we need to see you in your private office Hi, this is Dr. Michelle Boone Thornton, and you can follow me on, on LinkedIn, um, Dr. BT, if you're looking for me. My webpage is drmichelleboonthornton.com. I am always uh, putting a blog out because I want people just to be cognizant of the emotional baggage that they actually carry. They don't like to hear it that way. Um, I will also be presenting at Sisters Empower Sisters to Advance Retreat. It's a wonderful retreat. It's going to be seven coaches and all of these individuals, I mean, they bring their power, the star power. We have marketing, branding, sales, confidence, spiritual coach, a leadership coach. And of course, I'm going to talk about mental health and masking. And so, you know, this is going to be October the 9th through the 12th. It's going to be actually in Virginia Beach, Virginia, on the ocean front. And so be there or be square. <laughs> Dr. BT, we are so glad to just have you on Be Lifted Up. On behalf of myself and D.C. Marshall, we just, we're going to got to get you to come back. I mean, this is really, really good stuff. You're listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. You can follow us on all social media platforms at B, the letter B, Lifted Up Radio on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You got it. You can find us. You can also catch us on BeLiftedUpRadio.com, which you can listen to this episode and all past episodes of the show. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life.